everybody, and welcome to the Above the Fray podcast. My name is David White, and I am here with my lovely and talented wife, Rosie White. And we are so glad that you have taken some time out of your busy schedules to check out our podcast. And uh, uh, it's a peculiar name for some people, the name of our podcast, Above the Fray. So we're going to take a second and define Above the Fray and what we mean by living above the fray. And then we'll give you a little bit of an insight into who we are because some of you might be new and some of you may have forgotten who we are because it's been a bit since we've done a podcast. Yes. So, Rosie, you want to describe that, define sure. the fray? Okay, so we have defined the fray as the muck and stress induced by unfair expectations coupled with unnecessary drama imposed by unrealistic unrealistic demands that make us ineffective ruining our joy our peace and our happiness we like to say that the fray has one goal that is it destroys the life that god intends for us the family that god desires for us it adds weight taking away the ability to live freely and lightly so when we started this podcast it wasn't something that we set out to do on our own it wasn't like we woke up one day and said, oh, let's start a podcast. That would be fun, won't it? It's actually something that has come about organically with Rosie and I in our marriage and people coming to us and asking us, how in the world um, are your kids the way they are? How do they turn out the way they have turned out and the way that they are respectful and the way that they deal with their schooling and education and all those things? But kind of what's your secret sauce? Now, let's stop there and just say, we have seven children, mm-hmm. amazing children, ages from uh, age 24 all the way down to now age three. So since our last podcast, we had a birthday, a very epic birthday. Our two-year-old turned three, and I actually think our 23-year-old t- uh, changed ages too, didn't she? I think so. Yes. <laughs> wow. So. Time flies. We've had lots of birthdays. But we have seven children. And they are amazing. Uh, they they all love Jesus, which we just say thank you, Lord, for that. But they're they just have great manners. They love each other. I think that's probably a hallmark yes, of them. Yes. They definitely love one another deeply and dearly. They like to hang out with each other, and it really really shows. And so we have that dynamic going on. And so a lot of times, people ask us, "Hey." What is that secret yeah. sauce? And I just want to add to say that straight up, it's Jesus. But number two, I think both of us have come from large families, and we have we both have parents that are together and set good examples. And I think what we've done a really great job of is taking the things, the best, some of the best things that we learned from our parents and the way they raised us, and incorporated it into our families. Mm-hmm. So Yes, yeah, so one of the things that we want people to know is this, though. We are not perfect. We don't pretend to be perfect, and we, uh, our kids are not perfect. But uh, a lot of times when people hear us talk, um, they begin to immediately think about their own families, and they just think, wow, well, you guys have it made, and the shade is perfect. But one of the things we talk about all the time in our podcast is the word intentionality. Mm. We are intentional with our time. We are intentional with our children. We are intentional with uh, sharing our faith with them, praying with them, reading the Bible with them. So there's a lot of intentionality there. 
And a lot of times when we tell people what we do, sometimes they look at us like we have two heads because they're not ready for that. For some reason, it's just foreign to them and they can't seem to handle that. So for whatever the reason, we're glad you're here to listen or to check us out or whatever. But we want to go ahead and get right into it because we're going to be talking today about a child's place. And uh, Rosie came up with this, uh, this topic. And uh, even just before we, we started recording tonight, we, uh, I was like, okay, so what exactly do you mean by a child's place? So Rosie, we're going to just ask that question as we start off. What do we mean by a child's place? I'm going to start with just sharing with you just a snippet of an article that I found online, and it's entitled From Useful to Useless, The Changing Social Value of Children. And it's a news article by uh, Nancy Tomes, T-O-M-E-S, I guess is how you pronounce it. And it's written in 1985. Um, it says, in 1896, a Georgia couple sued a railroad company for the accidental death of their two-year-old son. Despite testimony that the child did useful errands for his family, the court concluded that since he had no real, quotes, earning capacity, end quote, the railroad was not liable for damages, and the family was awarded only enough money to cover his burial expenses. Less than a century later, in 1979, the parents of a three-year-old boy who received a lethal dose of fluoride at a city dental clinic sued for damages. In contrast to their late 19th century counterparts, they got an award of 750000 from a New York jury. So time passed and children, the value of children have changed. I, growing up, I used to hear it all the time and I'm not quite sure if, if this was like, like a tongue-in-cheek statement, but it was like children should be seen and not heard. Or if you read books, you know, basically it would say, you know, children aren't supposed to, you know, if the grown folks are in the room, children should just keep their mouths closed and stay, or go away and play, that kind of thing. So, David, I want you to share, if you will, a little bit of, from a book you were reading. Remember I asked you, um, you were reading about the Native Alaskans mm -hmm. and they're uh, one of the cultures. I don't know if they still do it now, but can you give a little bit about that? Yeah. How they treat their children. So uh, it's a book and it's, uh, I believe the title is My Life among the Eskimos, and it was written back in the 1900s. And the man that wrote the book was talking about uh, the time that he spent three years living uh, with Eskimos in northern Alaska and Canada. And it's a fascinating book. It's, it's amazing. They don't make people like that <laughs> anymore, I don't think, because mm -hmm. it's just what he did in the 19, early 1900s was amazing. But one of the cultural things that he noticed was the fact that children in that culture didn't have uh, any discipline at all. In fact, the mother and the father did whatever the child told them to do. And it was pretty extreme. It was if, if the child didn't want to move to move on to the hunting ground, then they wouldn't move on to the hunting ground, which could be detrimental to the whole family. But the child would be um, very rude to the, the uh, parents. They would call the shots, even to the point where there might even be uh, a, a, a daughter or a son who would uh, maybe even smack their parents, and that was allowed. And part of it had to do with the cultural idea that when a child was born, that whoever was the closest relative of theirs who had died or somebody in their village who had died 
that person then inhabited the son or the daughter. So it was not uncommon to hear a mom or dad call their daughter or son mom or dad or grandpa, and that's what they would call them over and over again. They would hardly ever call them by their actual given name because they didn't want to offend grandma or grandpa who is now inhabiting their child. And this would happen until they were about 14 years of age, and it would then perceive that you know the, the spirit of grandma or grandpa, they had moved on. But there was up until that point, there was absolutely no discipline. And this was quite a shock to this explorer who figured, well, this is like a native thing. They're going to really be disciplined. The kids are going to be respectful. And it was absolutely the opposite of that. Yeah, so I I thought about that and I think about that in a lot of ways because I think that when our children are not thought of or uh yes, thought of in the proper perspective, our families can get really out of whack. For example, what I mean by that, I see a lot of families where their children, yes, children are valuable and important, but they should not come before the given more value than say the husband and a wife. For example, you know, we in our family we try to say live by, you know, God comes first. Mm-hmm. Then we take care of our relationship. What and do you then, mean? What do you mean? What I mean? They can't see your hand. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> She's uh, waving in, I the, know. in the air. Um, okay. So there's God. Then there's relationship between you and my me, husband right. and wives, husband and, and then wife. and yeah. then the children. Mm-hmm. We together take care of the children. But I feel a lot of times when one of the one of the parents put more emphasis on a relationship with a child, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a tendency to de- to neglect the relationship between the husband and the wife, mm-hmm. and the relationships suffer. Therefore, the whole family dynamic is pushed away. For example. You know, whatever the child wants. There are some people who will just give, you know, kind of like the Eskimo, but maybe not to that extreme. In today's society, kids are given, they're spoiled rotten, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they're not told no when they ought to be told no. Mm-hmm. Um, or if a child, like some families, they'll spend, their, they'll spend, you know, 14 hours a day running around town doing things, quote unquote, for the children. And yet some of those more important relationships might get neglected. So anyway, mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, mm-hmm. that story was very interesting and I think in in a in a small way, we you know, we we don't have that culture where kids are, you know, maybe to that extreme allowed to get away with those kind of things, but mm-hmm. maybe we do. You know, and I but I just think let it would be a good idea to just talk about what is a child's place? Um what how should how should we look at children in a family dynamic. So as you were talking, a couple of thoughts came to my mind because again, I was still trying to wrap my mind around mm-hmm. this topic, but it sounds like, and, I, and so you look at it, you probably see this, that there's almost a, a form of, of idol worship when it comes to our children. Like mm-hmm. we, have, we have placed our children on this pedestal mm-hmm. and um, it's almost like an idol worship of our children uh, in an unhealthy way though. Uh, we're not talking about like, you know, you know, just taking care of their needs and loving them and spending time with them because we love to do that. We just spent the holidays with our, you know, kids hanging out and, mm-hmm. you know, playing games and watching movies and eating lots of food. Um, but I think it's just when, you know, going overboard 
with that. Mm-hmm. No, not a lot of boundaries, not a lot of disciplines there going mm-hmm. on. And children talking back to their parents, children basically thinking that acting like they're grown and not being able to just be quiet in that. You know, another thought, though, that came to my mind is actually probably just the opposite mm-hmm. of that. The other extreme of that of a child's place in the home where children are being neglected. Yes. Maybe not intentionally, but unintentionally, mm-hmm. where kids come in, maybe, you know, you're working a lot of hours and you come home, maybe you pick them up after daycare, or maybe you meet them at home, they're already here, you know, at your home. And, you know, you come home and everybody goes to their bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, son or daughter goes and gets on a device or they're on their phone or they're whatever. And we don't intentionally take time to like break through that and say, we need to talk. And it's almost just the opposite of the other. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, well, you know, we're going to just kind of wind them up and let them go on their own way. Yes. And, you know, I, <laughs> I have all these thoughts just keep popping into my head. The other, the other thing that can be a problem, and I think a lot of times it might be a mother father you know the mother father dynamic because as a mom I have a tendency to want to you know be there for my kid like you you know every single time they need me or you know Mm -hmm. um, because it's it's more in my nature to want to be that nurturer and Mm -hmm. I can end up doing that all of my free hours in the day Mm -hmm. but at what point do I say I have to step back and I need to go spend time with my husband. You know, we have mm-hmm. these discussions sometimes. Yeah. Like, especially when you have a baby mm-hmm. or a little child, you know. That's very and needy. That's mm-hmm. very needy. And they do need mommy. But do you give the child all of the time? And then by the time it's time to go to bed, you have no time left to give to your spouse. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of thing I'm thinking. Like, mm-hmm. when, how, how, what do we draw the boundaries with our kids? And are we able to give them say no to them give them the discipline but at -hmm. at the same time take the time to give them the things that they need to be nurtured and um, develop as good healthy citizens and children Mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing yeah I get that Mm -hmm. and I think it's a balance I think it's definitely something that everybody struggles with I know we struggle with it as parents especially as our children get older and they have their own things that they like to do and they have friends that they like to talk to and, you know, they have habits that they develop, uh, some good, some maybe not so great. Mm -hmm. So I think there's that balance there of giving space as they get older, but at the same time, making sure that we are staying in touch with our kids Mm -hmm. and not just leaving them to their own devices all the time like literal literal devices almost literal devices yes yeah yeah so so what what does the bible say about this and we we have some verses that we we picked out and i think these are probably pretty common verses Mm -hmm. i think you'll probably know most of these or remember some of these from uh church um but uh, what does Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 say? Um, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. 
and children obey your parents. You know what? That sounds, that's a very common verse and it sounds very basic, but honestly, that is a hard thing sometimes Mm -hmm. for parents to teach Mm -hmm. and not just to teach, to require. Right. It takes almost like just as much discipline on our on our behalf to mm-hmm. require that they obey and honor us as parents as much as it does for them to learn to do that. Yeah. Am I, I right? Guess, yeah, the question I, I like to ask a parent is, are you constantly just throwing out idle threats? Because your kids know that. Like, they mm-hmm. get that. They're like, oh, well, mom or dad are going to say this. They're going to say, well, if you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. But Maybe mom and dad don't actually follow through so I can continue to push it a little bit more, a little bit more. But obedience is, is huge when we talk about a child's place. The, the next part of that verse, I think, is just as important, though. The whole idea of honoring your father and your mother. To me, that is teaching our children respect, mm-hmm. to have respect for their elders. Uh, I work in higher education. Rosie works in higher education, and we have... Uh, people that are coming through in droves that are completely rude and disrespectful. Uh, we have security personnel that are always getting called because there are students that are out of control because they don't know about how to be respectful. Uh, they get angry about a grade that they got or they didn't want to wait in line with when everybody else had to wait in line. These are things that are so important. We instill those in children that they learn their place and it's a sign of respect um i would like to add to that too and one of the things that i learned from my my dad my dad growing up because he was a disciplinarian was honestly it was a hard lesson to learn but my dad is if he asked us to do something it was yes sir that's it Mm -hmm. it wasn't like wait a minute Mm -hmm. it wasn't um asking questions as to why you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing it was like it was just expected and mm-hmm. required that mm-hmm. if we were told to go wash the dishes we stopped what we were doing and we went to wash dishes mm-hmm. yeah. and if we were if we got in trouble for something that we did it wasn't even here here's mm-hmm. the explanation as to why i chose to disobey you Right. My dad, it was, it was, and you know what? As a child, I thought that was a little bit harsh, but I tell you what, it did teach me respect. Mm-hmm. It taught me the the respect that I needed to have for my parents. And you know, the cool thing is that having struggled through that and learned it for myself, then I'm able to teach it to my children because I know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I know what um, respect and what it was required, you know, to for a child to learn that because I had to struggle through it. It's not easy because, you know, children, children will always, you know, you give them an inch, they want to take a mile. Children will always try to explain away their behaviors and things. And if you don't learn how to teach them to just cut it off, mm-hmm. listen, I'm the parent. Mm-hmm. When you have your child, you, you, whatever. But mm-hmm. it is my job to teach you what respect looks like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So here's something to ask yourself. Do you, you require your children to use titles when they refer to somebody? Like we have friends of ours, uh, the Fitz, and it's it's Mr. Dave and, and Miss Karen. It's not Dave and Karen. It's not Wendy 
and Becky, it's Aunt Wendy, it's Aunt Becky, it's Grandma and Grandpa, it's not John and Candy, those kind of things, and referring to teachers and coaches, using titles, because I think that's also just that form of respect, and it starts in the home, is really where it starts. I got one detention in high school. One detention. You know why? That's the question. Oh, oh, oh. Probably because (laughs) you knew what it was to respect. And probably when you got the detention, you probably got in trouble. Well, yeah. So I was in, uh, I was a senior in high school in my last semester and I'd never gotten a detention before. I was always like a really quiet kid. And I went into Mr. Bredemus's classes, Mr. Bredemus, Don Bredemus is his name, and loved him, one of my favorite teachers. And so, Mr. Bredemus, if you're listening to this, great, loved, loved you as a teacher. But I walked into his classroom after lunch one day, and he says, Dave, how you doing? And I said, Don, how you doing? <laughs> and let me tell you, oh, <laughs> I had to tell my parents why. And my parents, boy, my mom gave me the stink eye, right? Mm. My parents are like, are you kidding me? You're just a knucklehead. What is wrong with you? We raised you better than that. You had a temporary moment of insanity. It did. Our kids do that. I do like this last part. It says, so that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That is also valuable and important because we as a culture can see the results of a, a child who has not learned respect. Right. They become unruly, right? Mm-hmm. And they become lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, you can almost tell, okay, this is what I see. It's the fruit of something that did not happen when they were children. A right. lot of times. Right. And I know some of you listening is to go, well, I didn't do that when I was growing up. I was rude. I was that. And I turned out okay. Well, that's great. But that to me is like, you know, kind of just playing with chance there as far as, mm-hmm. you know, the way that you're raising your kid to say, yeah, I hope you, you get it right, sucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I hope you figure it out one day. You know, the another verse that, um, that I think really goes hand in hand with that is the verse from Ephesians is Proverbs thirteen twenty four, which is so famous, right? You've probably heard this over and over again. It says, whoever spares the rod hates their own children or hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful, careful to discipline mm-hmm. them. And a lot of times when people hear that, they immediately go to corporal punishment. Like they immediately go to like child abuse and kids getting beaten, like kids getting, you know, whooped mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I really want, I really believe the emphasis here is on the careful discipline mm-hmm. of your kids. It's a consistency. It's an intentional thing. And we're not just talking about discipline when our kids are doing things wrong, but I think it's, it's discipline in them getting up in the morning and getting dressed on time, setting an alarm, the discipline to do their chores, mm-hmm. the discipline to do their homework do their obligations. Those are disciplines and we need to help them in those areas. If not, then shame on us as a parent because what are they going to do when they are on their own and they have to go to a job and they have to get up on time and they have to do all these things? Well, we're just handicapping them in that area. Mm-hmm. Is that all just mm-hmm? Oh, I agree, honey. Oh. It's great. <laughs> 
That's beautiful. Um, and then, of course, uh, just one other uh, passage of Scripture from Matthew 19. Uh, when we talk about what does the Bible talk about, say about a child's place. So we talk about respect. We talk about discipline. I'll read that for you. Yeah. So go ahead. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that we, if we are not careful, we can hinder our children. Mm-hmm. If we're worshiping them, like it's idol worship, like we're you know, just giving them whatever they want all the time, we don't want to upset them, we don't want to make them mad, or it's just the opposite, if we're neglecting them, you know, and we're not paying enough attention to them. We're not disciplining them. You know, we're not, in, you know, expecting them to be respectful and courteous. Mm-hmm. Then we're hindering them. Mm-hmm. And if you go on further, you see what it says. Hey, it's better for that person to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the ocean mm-hmm. than a person who hinders a child. That's pretty big. That's that's tough. And so as you and I think about our relationship with our children, we got to think about what are we doing? Where's mm-hmm. their place in our homes? Mm-hmm. Where's their place in our hearts and in our minds? Yeah. So, Rosie, what does what does this have to do with living above the fray? Well, I think the initial thought that comes to my mind is that uh, children who are not given their proper place in our home can create chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a home that is chaotic, um, not peaceful, Mm-mm. not a happy home, mm-hmm. anger. Uh, probably a lot of times there's a conflict between spouses and siblings. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just think that it's the opposite of, um, what we should be as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, when we get things out of order, there is chaos. Mm-hmm. There is not harmony. There's not unity. A lot of times when, we allow kids to take precedent over our relationship with our spouse. Our marriage is can be quickly derailed, <laughs> quickly derailed uh, when we have kids that play us off one another. You know, David, we we talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. even with because when we're talking about the the fray, mm-hmm. unrealistic demands, especially if you have a family with you know, as many kids as we have, imagine each of them giving their little throne and feeling like that it's, it's, they were entitled to get whatever they want or to go wherever they want. Imagine how it would pull us, mm-hmm. how we would be pulled around, you know, constantly going here and there for our kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we try to simplify, we have learned to say no. Yeah. I'm sorry, honey. I know that's important for you and your other friends might be going to XYZ place, but mm. we can't do it. <laughs> so one of the things when it, we talk about above the fray, we talk about the fact that so many of us are worn out because we're sucked into this this kind of wash cycle, like wash, rinse, repeat cycle over and over again every single day. And uh, we look around and our homes mimic 
every other home out there. And so what we do is we say, well, this must be nat natural. This must be normal. And when we talk about living freely and lightly, we look at the Bible, we say, well, if we're Christians, if we're following Christ, then surely we've got to be set apart from some of this, right? Mm -hmm. So as you're thinking about your home life, you're thinking about your relationship with your kids, surely you should be doing things differently maybe than people around you. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's not working, if your home is chaotic and if your home is not filled with peace and joy and love, maybe you've got to shake it up and you've got to begin to cut some of the ties of the world and rise above that. And when we figure out where our children's place, um, place is, then that will help us in this whole idea of living above the fray. We don't sit there and go, oh, well, you know, so-and-so's kids are doing this, so I think it's okay. Or I see so-and-so's family and they're doing this, so it must be okay. If it's not biblical and it's causing your family chaos, then it probably isn't okay. And God wouldn't approve of it. Mm -hmm. So how can this transform our homes? Like how can knowing this transform our homes? We talked about a little bit when it comes to like the whole idea of peace, right? But I really think that when we get into this, We've, well, got, we've got to be intentional, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about that? Yes. We've got to set the tone as parents. And we do. Well, you know, you you have a verse here, but you already mentioned it, that um, about if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck mm -hmm. and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come. But woe to the person through whom they come. That's from Matthew 18, verses 6 to 7. One of, what I believe is when we are careful, and what was the word? We said it's careful to discipline our mm -hmm. children yeah. and put them in their proper place with the proper nurturing, mm -hmm. the proper training in what is right and uh, what it means to respect our kids learn what it is mm -hmm. and then they're able to live in that. Right. And right. it brings peace because mm -hmm. our kids are not having to guess. Mm -hmm. They're not having to um, figure, you know, all of life out on their own. Guess what? We are adults. We should know a little bit that we can instill into them mm -hmm. to, so that they can avoid some of the pitfalls yeah. of danger and trouble that can come mm -hmm. from um you know being wild children <laughs> <laughs> being wild children you know yeah so bring it home to our our home when it comes to the kids place one of the things we do is is we really fight for time alone we really fight for that time because we need it we need it every single day so we do get up earlier than the kids so we can do devotions together and we can pray together. We don't stay up later than all of our kids because some of our kids stay up way too late. Mm -hmm. um, they're college age-ish, so we just let them do that. But uh, I would say one of the things that we have seen is because our kids know what we expect of them, they expect it of each other. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a trickle-down effect. 
that we expect it with the older ones and the older ones expected of the younger ones. And so it really does help to have that in our home, you know, to, to be above the fray in this area to say we're going to be disciplined. And our kids will tell you that they have friends of theirs <laughs> that say, well, your parents seem, they seem so strict, but then when we came over, they're not. And our kids are like, well, our parents aren't strict. Mm-mm. We just have expectations. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And our kids know our expectations. We have things that we do and things that we don't do. That's all there is to it. There's no like, let's, you know, negotiate. Mm-mm. We're not negotiating. This is just kind of <laughs> the way it is. And our kids are like, oh, okay, that's just the way it is. And so they'll tell their friends, hey, friends, that's just the way it is. And they're okay with it, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think just as far as just practically with us, this is an area that we fight for, of you know, making sure that we have our children where they need to be as far as like in their proper place. So our marriage is in the proper place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We also are intentional with our discipline, our careful discipline of our children. Uh, as we correct them, we teach them. Every once in a while we rebuke them. We are, you know, intentional about that. Mm-hmm. So as you're thinking about your own, your own relationship with your kids, uh, maybe you have a spouse, maybe you don't. But as you think about that, think about, you know, what are the things you're doing intentionally as it relates to disciplining your children, as it relates to putting them in their proper place, making sure that you are being fed yourself, mm-hmm. you know, fed in the word, you know, taking care of yourself taking care of your spouse if you're married. Ask yourself, you know, how am I doing in these areas? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to do to change? Is my family basically just a cookie cutter of every family in my neighborhood? Which, if they're Christ followers and it's healthy, that's fantastic. But maybe they're not. And maybe we need to go, man, we need a new mold. Mm -hmm. We need a mold that's cross-shaped, you know, that looks like the cross, that is filtered through the Word of God. And so I think if you do that, you're going to begin to see some really good things happen inside of your home. Mm-hmm. You, Amen. You agree? I agree. I agree. You agree? That's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. That's beautiful. Queen Queen Rosie says that's beautiful. All right. Well, I guess that's Queen all we got Rose. for this week. It's, uh, wow, we've been talking a long time. Uh-oh. And it's late and we're old. So <laughs> we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks for listening. If This podcast is a blessing. Please share it with others. Also, don't forget to check us out on our social media platforms where we post additional content. On Instagram, it is Above the Fray with David and Rosie. And on Facebook, it's just Above the Fray. So I think that's all we got. That's all. Yeah. And uh, we would tell you when our next podcast is going to be. Uh, but you just got to kind of check it out at some point. We'll get Hopefully one. soon. Hopefully soon. We've got some more we've already written out, but we just had a, we got to make it a priority. Put our children in their place, right? That's right. Tell them to go to bed. All Tell right. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Rose? No, All right. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.